This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here at Worth Recovery, and I am a sex addict. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So today is episode 57. I shouldn't say today because who knows when you're listening to it, but this is episode 57, and it's the continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery. Today, we're going to start step seven. Step seven says, humbly asked God to remove our defects of character. So we're going to start, we're going to, we're going to discuss today some of what those words mean and, uh, and talk a little bit about how we work step seven in our lives or how we begin to be ready to work step seven in our lives. Now, before we jump in, I want to, I want to share with you kind of an experience that I had this week. It's well, it's been probably about four or five days ago. So I teach college. College is one of the things I do. I teach mathematics. I know a lot of you are like, eh, gross, but I love it. I love it. So anyway, I teach math. Part of my responsibilities is that not only do I teach, but I have to um, put so much time into the tutoring lab. So where students can kind of just drop in tutoring, come in and get what they need. So I had this an incident with a student a few days ago. It's been about a week now where um, the just... I don't know, just really bugged me. <laughs> so this student came in, um, actually he was taking a quiz. He has the ability to kind of just take a quiz and he raised his hand and called me over and said he needed some help. So I go over and I'm like, I'm sorry, this is your quiz and I'm not allowed to really help you with, you know, find these answers. You need to be able to figure out these answers on your own. Now, this student just looked at me, like uh, stared me down and he said, Frankly, I don't have the time to study. I don't have the time to put into this class. And then he started just giving me every imaginable reason why I should just give him the answer. He was like, I work full time. I work full time. So you need to just give me the answer and tell me how to do it. And then he said, and I have kids at home and I've taken this class two times already. And I'm, I'm taking 14 credits and I'm working full time and I have kids at home and I have a wife and I have to do all these things and you need to just give me the answer. And he was really frustrated and he just continued to get more frustrated the longer I just kind of sat there and was quiet. I wanted to say, oh, honey, you're an adult. You decide what is important in your life and you decide what you want to spend time on. Now, that's not what I said. I said something like, wow, that sounds really difficult. That's a lot of things to be going on for you. That didn't help. He just escalated more and got more upset, you know, telling me that that's why he needed to just, I just need to give him the answers. And so I concluded with saying, you know what, maybe this isn't the right class for you right now. If you don't have the time to put into it, maybe this isn't the right class for you. And of course that just made him more mad. And he just kept telling me, you know what, this is your fault. Finally, this is kind of his last thing. He was like, this is your fault. It's your fault that I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to pass this quiz if you don't give me the answer and that will be your fault. Now, fortunately, <laughs> I don't give into those kind of tactics. 
Fortunately, I have lived in recovery for a little while. And so I just told him, I just reinforced my answer. I said, you know what? Maybe this isn't the class for you right now. And either way, whether you fail or succeed, that's not my fault. It's not my problem if you can't find the time to study. My role as your teacher is to help you figure out what the problems are and to help you find the strategies and the solutions to solve them. It's not my role to give you the answers. Telling you the answers is not going to help you succeed, nor is it going to help you be better prepared for your next class. So either way, it's not my fault. Now, he was just really angry. His face started turning red, and that was just not what he wanted, not the answer that he wanted. Finally, he just kind of slammed his book closed, got up, and left. The other tutors and teachers were kind of watching me deal with him, and and they made some comments afterwards. Most of them said that they thought that I handled it really well. And as I was kind of sitting there and reflecting on that and a couple other instances as I was driving home that day and during that day, I thought, you know what? How like recovery is that? We just want quick fixes. We want our therapist to do the work for us, to just tell us what to do. We want our sponsor maybe to just tell us what to do or maybe just our recovery friends. We want anyone but us to tell us what to do. And we're too busy to study. We're too busy to find the answers for ourselves. And so we just kind of get angry. We start to shift the blame. We start to say, it's your fault. I know for me, early on in recovery, I definitely was like that. I was wanted to shift the blame. But I'm so grateful for this kind of reminder and for where I'm at now. So I encourage you today to look at what pieces of your recovery maybe you're making some excuses about. What pieces of your recovery are you not taking responsibility for and you're trying to shift that blame? This young man wanted to blame someone else, anyone else for his struggles and for his failures. He couldn't take it on himself. He couldn't sit in his own emotions. Are there areas of your recovery where you're doing that as well? As I kind of reflected on this over the last week, I found that there are areas for me where I'm doing that. I realized that there are areas of my program or my recovery where I'm not really stepping up, taking responsibility and moving forward. And I'm working on a plan to change that. I hope you can too. I hope that you can look at your recovery and find those areas and find some ways that you can make some changes. Now, also before we jump into step seven, just Two quick announcements. Registration has begun for our upcoming event in January, Engaged in the Struggle. It's going to be January 21st, 2017 in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I know that seems like a ways away, but it's really not. It's just four short months. We already have a number of women registered, so don't delay too long. Get your tickets now. Early bird pricing is available until December 1st. It's $99. Our lineup of speakers is going to be fantastic. So you can find all the information for that on the website, worthrecovery.com. And as always, I want to give a big shout out to my Worth Warriors. You ladies continue to amaze me. When a woman reaches out for help in addiction, it is my mission to provide the voice and the hand of a woman to reach back. Worth Warriors make that possible. I love you ladies so much. It takes a lot of time to write, produce, edit, and post each of these podcast episodes. The ladies that contribute monthly as a Worth Warrior, you guarantee that this podcast remains free for all of those women out there. I can't thank you enough. We gained some new listeners this week in a couple different countries. Felt very privileged when one of them reached out to say thank you for 
for being there, for helping her, and for allowing her to find other women to connect with. You are the ones that make that happen. If you've been listening to Worth Recovery for a while now and enjoying what you're learning, maybe this podcast has helped you in your recovery, then get on the website and become a Worth Warrior. There are special perks and discounts for our Worth Recovery events. You can join the Worth Warriors for as little as $4 a month. That's a little bit less than 50 cents an episode. Get on the website, look for the Worth Warriors logo, and join the movement. All of that's on the website, worthrecovery.com. Okay, let's jump into step seven today. So the words of step seven are humbly asked God to remove these defects of character. Now, step six was where we became entirely ready, right? We talked about being entirely ready. And now in step seven, we're going to humbly ask God to remove these defects of character. Now, a reminder, of course, that God is the God of our own understanding. However that looks for you, whatever that looks like for you, that is totally awesome. You get to define what God means. We use the generic term God to just incorporate all of the different beliefs that we have around our higher power. Now, as with all steps, step seven is a big step of action. This is one of the most direct steps of action we have. It tells us exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to spend two episodes talking about this step. First one, today, episode 57, I want to talk conceptually about what this step means in our life and about some of the words in the step. And then in our next episode, episode 59, we're going to talk more practically about this step. How exactly do we take this action? How exactly do we make this work in our lives? So conceptually today, you know how much I love words, guys. I want to look at two words in this step that I really feel are often very misunderstood and maybe misconceptualized. And these two words are humility or humbly and remove. So let's start with humbly. At the very beginning, the step says humbly asked God. So when you think of the word humbly or humility, right, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of modesty, maybe you think of lack of importance, thinking lowly of ourselves. Maybe you think of the opposite, things like pride and arrogance. Those are definitely some words that you can use to describe humility. But I really think that there is more to humility than just being modest or maybe seeing our lack of importance. Now, in the Sexaholics Anonymous Step Into Action book, this book is really fantastic, by the way. For step seven on page 61, it gives a different definition of humility. And I really, really like the way that it describes it. It says, quote, step seven requires humility. Humility is honest, accurate self-perception. Humility is seeing ourselves right-sized, rightly proportioned to our higher power. Humility is seeing ourselves as we really are, as our higher power would see us. Thinking highly or lowly of ourselves is a form of pride or fear, and humility is the opposite of pride or fear. Close quote. I want to stop right here and pause right here. We're going to read a little bit more, but I want to talk about two of these sentences. One says, we see ourselves rightly proportioned to our higher power. I think that's a really interesting way to describe humility. We, that means we don't think of ourselves as a higher power or as our own higher power in our lives. It also means we don't think of ourselves as the higher power in the lives of others. We aren't arrogant. We don't think we always know best. 
We don't try to play God in the lives of others. But it also means that we don't think so little of ourselves that we believe we are beyond the reach of God, beyond help from our higher power. That is living out of fear, not humility. In this paragraph, it says we must see ourselves rightly proportioned in the world as we really are. I think a lot of people recognize humility as thinking little of themselves, thinking low of themselves, thinking that they're not worthy of things. And they call that humility. I love that it calls us out on that and says that that type of thinking, thinking lowly of ourselves, is a form of fear, not a form of humility. And that fear is also the opposite of humility. I love that idea. We need to see ourselves right-sized, not too small and not too big. So in order to have humility, we need to recognize where we are and see ourselves right-sized. Now the book continues, quote, humility means, and it gives us a list of five things here. We recognize our own powerlessness over the situation. Second, we have surrendered and let go of our attachment to the result. Third, we know that we need to ask because we are not the ones with the answers. Fourth, we are willing to be taught and to do our part. And fifth, we are entirely ready. Now, these five things are a great gauge for our humility, right? The idea that first that we recognize and we've admitted our powerlessness. So that's definitely something that we've done if we have worked the steps, if we've worked steps one, two, and three. Second, we have surrendered and let go of our attachment to the result. Wow. So that is one that I have to work on. I especially struggle with that one. I feel like I've surrendered, right? That's the essence of steps one, two, and three. But this step goes further and it asks me to let go of my attachment to the result. Now, I admit that sometimes, rather than ask my higher power or surrender to my higher power, my pleas or my prayers look more like a negotiation, maybe? (laughs) A tip for tat, you do this and I'll do that and then you do this and then I'll do that, right? I'm willing to let go of things as long as I know what the answer is going to be or what the solution is going to look like. I'm willing to surrender as long as I know it's going to get better. And so sometimes it looks more like a negotiation than it does an actual prayer or a plea or an asking. In order to really be humble, in order to really accomplish this step, we must work to let go of our attachment to the result. That means for me, a lot of times that I don't even sometimes recognize the answer. I don't always understand what's happening because I'm looking for a specific outcome. Learning to let go of the outcome and attach and let go of the attachment to the result means that I have to live in a little bit of uncertainty. And that is difficult for me. But that is part of what we do as we move forward in the steps. Now, the third thing in this list, so after we recognize our powerlessness and we surrender, the third thing in this list says we know that we need to ask because we are not the ones with the answers. Wow. Again, that to me also speaks about being attached to the result. I think I know what my life is going to look like when I let go of these things. I have an idea, I have a vision. I think that's important that we have an idea and we have a vision, but we also have to recognize that it's not always going to go according to plan. And that is okay as well. 
Like it says here, we need to ask because we are not the ones with all the answers. When I moved to Utah three years ago, I would have never, ever, ever thought three and a half years later that I'd be sitting here recording a podcast episode. Ever. That was not even in my wildest fantasies or dreams. And yet, as I've tried to let go of things in my life and allow my higher power to direct my life, this is where I find myself. And it is fantastic, but it's not something I ever would have imagined or envisioned for myself. And that is part of what we're doing here. We ask because we are not the ones with the answers. We let go of the attachment to the result that we have. The fourth thing in this list says that humility means we are willing to be taught and to do our part. That's hard for me as well. I hate the statement. (laughs) I don't, well, I don't hate it necessarily, but it's in the AA book, but it's also repeated in several other recovery literature books. It's the idea that if we are disturbed, there is something wrong with us. Now, I don't always like that idea because I want to play the victim sometimes. I want to be upset and I want to be angry. However, I have learned that if I am willing to do my part and willing to be taught and willing to look at that part of me, that it can change. And that is where I find a lot of my character defects when I'm disturbed. When I'm disturbed, I find a lot of my character defects. And I need to be willing to look at myself and look at my part. And then the last sentence here says that humility means we are entirely ready. And we've just spent a lot of time in step six talking about becoming entirely ready. We must be humble in our asking. We must see ourselves as humans, as right proportion next to our higher power. Not too small, but not too big. We must let go of running the show, let go of playing God in in our lives and in the lives of others. We must be willing to let go of the attachment we have to the result because we don't know everything. We don't know really what is best for us. We think we know, but we don't always know. There are things out there that we haven't even imagined or dreamed about. And we have to be willing to let our higher power lead us. And we must be willing to ask and accept whatever pathway opens before us. Speaking of pathways, the second word in this step that I think is often misunderstood is the word remove. I remember when I first worked this step, I remember my sponsor telling me this this idea about remove. And it really changed the way that I look at the word. She told me remove is often considered kind of a black or white thing. It's either here or it's gone, right? So many times in my addiction, I cried out to God, take this from me, take it away, remove it. I don't want it anymore. Remove the desire, remove the people, remove it. But that never really worked. We were always acting on some need. We were always trying to fulfill something inside of us, but we were doing it in really unhealthy ways. So to ask for the desire to be removed, the desire to connect with people, well, that's not reliving in reality, right? Those are healthy desires. Those are healthy needs. Those are things that we have. And so we have to think of the word remove in a little bit different way. Let's break it down into parts. The beginning of the word remove is re. It's a Latin prefix, R-E, meaning again and again and again, as in repeat, return, and remember. Now, the second part of the word move, some of the definitions of move that apply here that I really like are, one, to take action, as in what moved you to do this? Or two, to advance or progress as in he moved into the lead of the race. When we put them together, remove is an action 
that happens over and over and over again that helps us advance and progress. It's not something that one happens one time. It's not an on or off again switch. I'm not going to ask and all of a sudden my pride, my impatience, or my selfishness are completely gone. Now, I wish that's how it worked. Oh, how I wish that's how it worked. But that's not the definition of remove. What this means is that we have to work at it. Each time our character defect comes up, we ask our higher power to remove it. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what action I will be asked to take and that will lead me towards that progress. But I ask every single time it comes up. And I don't get frustrated when it comes up again and again and again. That is why we use the word remove here. Because it's going to happen again and again and again. Remove is not something that is a one-time shot. We don't ask and then all of a sudden our lives are fantastic. It must happen over and over and over again. An example of that for me is uh, is advice giving. <laughs> so before I entered recovery, I was always giving advice. People would come to me and I would just tell them what to do with their lives. <laughs> they would tell me about a situation and I would say, well, you could do this and you could do this and you could do that and you could do that and blah, blah, blah. And now we're done. And okay, see you later. And I, I wasn't really, I was using it as a defense. I wasn't really connecting with people. It was more of a sympathetic act than an empathetic act. I love how Brene Brown talks about that because she says that we can't empathize with people unless we connect with them emotionally. And advice giving for me was a way to not connect emotionally. As I entered recovery, I was told by my sponsor over and over again. And also in in our meeting literature and things like that, that we do not give advice. Unless asked explicitly for our advice, we don't give it. And I noticed that that's not only how like my therapist worked with me that way, but my sponsor worked with me that way. It created a very safe place where I could talk about whatever I needed to talk about without judgment or anything like that. And then if I asked for advice, I could get help. Now, I was not good at that. Let me tell you, I was not good at that at all. And so it comes up over and over and over again. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it, but over and over and over again, it comes up. And every time, if I am conscious of it, and if I'm working on it, then I surrender it and I apologize and I try to move forward. Now, I thought, I felt like I got pretty good at that. But over the last year, I've noticed that it's come back quite a bit. And so I've been trying really hard to let go of that again. That's a, that's a character defect I have, advice giving. If you want my advice, awesome, you can ask for it and I'm happy to share whatever I know and whatever has been going on. But I don't want to give unsolicited advice. I've seen that creep in with my family over the last maybe six months. And, uh, and I've been trying really hard to, to let go of that. It's frustrating for me. But I try not to get frustrated because the word remove says it's going to happen over and over and over again. Now, I hope as you consider step seven, you consider these two words, humbly and remove. What do they mean to you in your lives? What area of your life needs more humility? Where do you need to start letting go of your attachment to the result? Where do you need to see yourself more right-sized? Maybe you have areas of your life where you see yourself really small and areas of your life where you see yourself really big. And we need to kind of even that out and figure out where we're supposed to be. Maybe what areas of your life do you need to do more in? Do you need to do your part? 
and become entirely ready? And also, what areas of your life are you frustrated with? If, as we consider the word remove, sometimes I think I get frustrated because things aren't the way I want them and I don't, my character defects coming out. And so I just give up. What areas of your life have maybe you given up in and you could re-engage and think about being humble and think about how to remove that from your life? I'm grateful for these steps. I know I say that all the time, but I really am. The more that I study them, the more that I prepare them, the more that I look at them from the more that I look at them in the eyes of other fellowships, I'm just amazed at the depth of what they offer to us. Now, next time we're going to talk about how to practically work this step in your life. I've got at least three ideas on ways that you can practically work through this step in your life. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery 100%. I know that. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. And real quick, Guys, I know I say that every time I do this episode, but I want you to know that I really, really believe that you are worth recovery. I know as women, sometimes we maybe waffle back and forth. Maybe we struggle with feeling that worthiness. Maybe we struggle with feeling like we can actually accomplish this. But please keep it up because I know that you can. I've talked with so many of you recently who are struggling with that, and I just want you to know how much I think about you, how much I pray for you, and how much I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.